Is your favorite reservoir dropping in water levels constantly this time of year? And are your fish getting hard to catch? We're going to talk about all of that on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. All right, guys, Chad Lachance here. Appreciate you tuning into Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Uh, here we are, mid-June, almost Father's Day. And if you're a Western angler, uh, you're seeing it probably in your region. The water levels of the reservoirs around the West is typically dropping pretty quick this time of year. Uh, at least all the lower level reservoirs. Some of the upper ones might not be, but uh, my home lake here, Horsetooth Reservoir, is dropping about six inches a day. We'll do so probably for the next four months. And the places we fished in the spring of the year will be literally 100 plus yards from the water by the time the water stops falling. And as a guy that's traveled all over the Western United States filming fishing TV shows for the last 15 years, I can tell you, or 14 years, I can tell you that it's a scenario we run into all the time. And there's really only one scenario that it, that it really messes us up. And I'll talk about that one first because... That one is literally a situation where I will punt. Like if we pull up to a lake thinking, oh, we we're going to fish here today or we we're going to film here today or whatever, and we pull up and I see a certain situation, uh, it's very common for me to not even take the boat off the trailer and go somewhere else. And that situation I'm talking about is the instant that they turn the water on uh, or off, you know, to, to flow out of the lake and... We've run into that a bunch of times, and f when they first, when water managers, dirt, ditch riders first start letting water out, uh, that first uh, 12 to 24 hour period is really a mess um, for the fishing. And it's even worse if the water level's been stable for any period of time. Uh, or rising. So for instance, we ran into a scenario on an eastern Colorado reservoir one time where I had literally talked to the managing biologist the day before. Uh, no, the lake's high. It's been been high all summer. It, it hadn't come down at all. It's been great, blah, blah, blah. We get in the truck. We drive four hours out to the lake. I get there the, the next morning. I get there and uh, there's about four inches of bright green, still wet algae on all the hard surfaces. And I knew immediately that sometime between yesterday and today, they had opened the outlet and started pouring water out of the lake. I fished anyway, because sometimes you just gotta try, and I think we fished for four and a half or five hours and never generated a bite on a lake that is generally a very productive fishery for us. So that's the scenario that I will avoid that first say 12 to 24 hours when they start letting water out is it just really scrambles the fish and I'd love to tell you I know how to handle it I don't I, I literally don't know how to handle that scenario you may be able to eke a few bites out um, but man when it first starts to drop like that it really messes things up for the fish now having said that Within about 24 hours of it starting to drop, the fish will reset and you'll be able to catch them just fine. And from then on, as the water continues to drop, even if the rate of drop changes very much, uh, it, won't, it won't mess up the fish. They're used to the falling water and they're positioned accordingly on whatever structure or cover they're sitting on. 
Um, and they're just more predictable all the way around. So like I said, in my home lake, it will fluctuate somewhere around 40 to 60 vertical feet per year. So that's a lot of water drop. And yet I can still stay on top of fish without terrible amount of you know, effort by just following a, a couple of certain key things. And one of the biggest things I can tell you to do if your water is dropping uh, is to fish either long tapering pieces of structure that taper out into deep water or offshore pieces of structure that are surrounded by, by deeper water. Those fish tend to be uh, less concerned from the fact that they have better access to deep water. The other possibility is fish very steep banks, bluffy style banks that traditionally don't do in the summertime as well because we do better on flatter pieces of structure or um, more conducive to feeding type pieces of structure than, than true vertical. But vertical fish say the same thing. Fish on a bluff or something, they're not as affected by falling water. That's a scenario I've seen at Lake Powell several times where water can be dropping like mad. The fish don't even move. They're on the same bluff. It just They just move down with the water. A lot of times... Uh, particularly with smallmouth uh, and largemouth, fish that I could catch very easily right on the, the structure uh, when the water was stable, when the water starts dropping, they're relating to that same structure. They just pull off to one side of it and suspend. So let's say I was catching them consistently 10 feet down on a Maxent tube jig. Okay, fantastic. Catching them good, bottom contact bait, catching them good. 10 feet down. Water starts dropping fish pull off the structure. Now I can catch them still 10 feet down, but like a cast length out off of the structure. So they're just suspended around it. And I think there's probably times in their day where they'll, where they'll run up on it and feed. But the rest of the time that they're stationed, they'll stay at the same depth they were at before. They just moved out off the side of the structure. So incidentally, I've seen that same thing happen with fishing pressure. If you get a, let's say a hump and everybody and their uncle's fishing this offshore hump, well, the fish will pull off the hump itself and suspend around it, but they don't go anywhere. They're still around it, they just don't go anywhere. And if you happen to have some sort of active imaging or whatever forward-facing sonar, you can verify that for yourself. But, but for me, Mostly what I see is they just pull off the side of the structure and they suspend. They're, they're just down. They're not, they don't go deeper just because they're out in deeper water. They're just suspended in the first place. So suspended fish can be a little trickier to catch, obviously, depending on the depth that they're at because the easiest fish to catch are on the top. The next easiest fish to catch are on the bottom. And all the ones in between are the hardest ones to catch. And... That's the scenario you run into with smallmouth bass. I've seen walleyes do it as well. And largemouth, not to as big of a degree, but absolutely will do the same thing where they'll suspend off the side of a piece of structure. I said I liked long tapering points, if at all possible. A big, long gravel bar that goes out into the lake or a big rock point that goes out into the lake or an underwater ridge that comes all the way up on the bank uh, those can be fantastic places to fish when the water's falling. So maybe fish were all along the banks uh, when the water was stable, and now it's June and, and the water's dropping. They'll just get on those long points. And again, I think for the same reason, they have access to deep water. It's still a relatively flat. A big, flat, tapering, long point is my favorite thing to find. A big gravel bar that sticks way out, something like that. It still provides them the feeding opportunities and everything they need, but they have access to deep water. Incidentally, those points are also excellent because 
the wind blows whichever direction and then that will predict you, you know, help you predict which side of those points the fish will sit on or, or will bite best on. Um, usually it'll create some sort of an upwelling and current as well. And then you can occasionally catch the, the fish as they pull up on the structure itself and uh, maybe run a topwater or something over the, over the out over the end of it. Uh, the other thing that'll happen with the suspended fish that, that I think is a, a bit of a surprise for people is in my opinion, they can be easier to get to bite once you find what they'll bite. And for me, a lot of the time that if, if we're talking smallmouth bass, we're for sure talking about a topwater bait because I have a very good success rate drawing smallmouth that are suspended even as deep as 20 plus feet to the surface to bite a, a topwater bait of some sort, some, particularly something that makes a bunch of commotion. My personal favorite right now, particularly for smallmouth, is, is a Berkeley Driftwalker. That thing is a wicked walking bait. Uh, the water's dropping in my lake right now. That's one of the first baits I'll put on. I would like a walking bait because it gives off a good signature on the surface and the fish can see it from down below. Uh, that particular one for smallmouth because it's got a thin profile and smallmouth are really excitable and like to slap at baits and it's got three small little treble hooks and it has a much higher hookup rate in general. I'll either throw that thing or a chopo when when I'm fishing for suspended smallmouth and water's dropping. And the chopo is uh, kind of a plopper style bait. It's got a single blade on it that spins uh, asymmetrically and again makes a ton of noise on the surface. The little one, the 75 or the size 90, uh, fantastic smallmouth baits. If we're talking about largemouth, I'd do the same thing on, on the falling water situation. I'm going to look for them suspended off and around tapering points and humps but I'm gonna fish them with a bulkier bait. So I might size the Chapo up to a 105 or a 120, uh, or I might, instead of throwing a drift walker, I'll throw a, a jaywalker, which is just a bigger version of a walking bait, a bigger bulkier bait. Uh, smallmouth like those better. Um, that scenario of fish suspending around and, and outside of, of big tapering points or humps is one of my absolute things to run into because those fish aren't pressured by, for one, most average anglers, and for two, they're basically impervious to whatever goes on in the lake, boat traffic, uh, you know, wind, whatever. They don't seem to go far. They just they seem to be very happy once they get suspended out there and, uh, and stay there for the summer. The reason a long tapering one is so important is because the fish can just move down that point as the water drops. If you've got shorter points or maybe your humps are just get come up and clean out of the water, the fish will literally get on their bicycles and head somewhere else and restation somewhere on another another point, meaning you have to go find them again. But if I've got a big long tapering point of some sort, which exists all over the western United States, particularly in the canyon style reservoirs, um, those those things, uh, the fish will the, the same fish will stay on them. In fact, on guide trips, I can catch some of the same fish literally every day or a couple days a week, and you can notice them by scars on them or whatever, and they don't go anywhere. They're sitting, you know, the water might drop three feet over the course of three and a half or four days at my lake, but the same fish are on the same point. They just follow the water down and they don't go anywhere. They're just off the side of the point. When the water's dropping hard, I do less uh, success. I do less damage in terms of catching fish 
with bottom contact baits for whatever reason. And I'm not sure uh, why that is. I'd love to tell you I think like a fish. I do not. But I can tell you that when the water's dropping really quickly, I don't do as well with bottom contact baits as I do with hard baits uh, or maybe something like a drop shot bait where the, the, the sinker itself's in contact with the bottom, but the bait's a couple of feet up and off the bottom. Not, again, I don't know exactly why that is, but when I... I'm setting up to fish any of my lakes in my region and it's dropping like it is right now, which it is in many of my lakes around town. Um, then I know for sure that I'm, I'm going to at least try with the hard baits first. Whereas maybe six weeks ago, I would know unequivocally that I could jig first and I would probably do, do, do very well, or I could put a, you know, a, some sort of bottom contact, small swim bait right on the bottom, something like that. I don't do as well in that scenario uh, or doing that, fishing that way. Once the water's dropping hard, I do better with suspended fish. Uh, they're more consistent. Whatever fish are still sitting on the bottom are still sitting on those same types of points, and you may locate them in your electronics. Uh, but what I find is they're mostly small fish, and I can catch you know tons of, say, sub 12 inch smallmouth fishing right on the structure and then as soon as I get a cast length off the structure and fish a jerk bait or a topwater bait or a crankbait or whatever even a swim bait in open water uh, that's when I find my larger than average fish and that can be really important. The uh, other thing that I keep in mind always when the water is falling is you have to be honest with the, or you have to be cognizant of the fact that yeah, the the book, the bass fishing book or the walleye fishing book will tell you when the water's dropping, that uh, that fish will pull out away from the bank some, and and I get that. But what also can happen is they will make forays into shallow water to feed, and uh, and I, I can you can see that literally see that happen when they're running baits up on the bank or you know running, running bait fish up on the bank at times. Um, or you'll just get a, a crepuscular bite, a first light bite, like where the first thing in the morning, um, a bunch of fish are right on the bank, even though the water's dropping like a rock. They'll get up on that bank, they'll feed, then they'll pull back out and suspend for the rest of the the rest of the day until they feed again. So, and in most scenarios, fish only feed somewhere between one and four hours a day. So the rest of the time they're not feeding. They're, it's up to you to get them to bite. And they're just suspended out in open water. They're letting all the wakeboard boats go by. They're letting the afternoon thunderstorms go by. None of that bothers them at all because they got plenty of water around them. They don't care if it drops a foot a day or two feet a day. They've got plenty of water suspended that way by being suspended that way. Another scenario that you can look for is... I know when a lot of my fish leave the banks or leave the steep points and stuff when the water's dropping, they'll just flat leave and head out into open water. And I think that's really the, the last, the holy grail on bass fishing. Uh, I think walleye guys do a little better job of working open water bite than bass guys do. But I believe, I've got several friends at walleye fish that catch some of the biggest largemouth of the summer uh, or excuse me, smallmouth of the summer when they're trolling for walleyes in 100 feet of water and they're trolling 10 feet down. Uh, that scenario is very hard for a Joe Average bass fisherman to wrap his head around, and it's a very inefficient way to present baits if you're not trolling. So you've got to be, you know, keep that in mind. But my point of it is, is that some of the biggest fish in the system literally just forget there is any structure and just go follow bait fish out in the open water while the water's dropping because I think the bait fish do the same thing. They leave a lot of the flatter banks. The shad won't be nearly as tight on the banks. The spawn's over with for them. Uh, they won't be as tight on the banks. Um, you know, in my case here, we have um, uh, 
smelt, rainbow smelt, they, same thing, they don't get on the banks nearly as much as they do in spring. And I think a lot of the mature fish know that. And I also know, though, that you will see scenarios where the wind's blown in on a flat bank and every wiper, trout, bass, and walleye in a lake are blasting that bank. And I think that's probably because the wind stirs the bottom, which stirs the phytoplankton, which gets eaten by the zooplankton, which then gets eaten by the minnows, which gets, you know, blah, 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 down the line it goes. The food chain gets started wherever the wind's blown in. There's an old wives' tale that the wind blowing in on a bank blows the bait fish in there. Well, I hate to argue, but uh, I'm pretty certain that a shad can swim much stronger than the wind can blow him under under the water. But what he will do is, being the being the fact that he eats plankton, uh, he will run right up on that bank when the wind's blowing in because the bottom is stirred up right there. Uh, same kind of scenario as you'd see in a mud line. Uh, so you can't completely write off banks or, or flat banks when the water's falling because of the fact that, uh, again, you might... First thing in the morning, you might get a really good bite right on the bank or something like that, but then they're going to leave. I can promise you that bite won't hold up unless you have some extraordinary situation going on. Uh, another place that is always warrants looking at, but especially when you're fishing a reservoir and the water's falling, uh, is the, any of the dams, particularly a riprap dam. Riprap dams obviously have fantastic access to deep water given that they're the deepest part of the lake by design. Uh, second of all, they typically have an even slope, so the same thing. The fish can, and it's a relatively steep slope in most scenarios, fish can just move with the water. Uh, if it gets too windy or too wavy or too too stirred up or dropping really fast, it'll do the same thing. They'll pull out a half a cast or a cast length off the dam and suspend instead of sitting right in the rocks. But the same concept is fishing the tapering points that I started this podcast off talking about. So the dam faces, um, my home lake happens to have four of them, which is a blessing because I can cruise around and try them. They're, they're never all equal. They're never, some days one's better than the other. Some days one end of one is better than the other end of one, whatever the case might be. So it's still not a given. But somewhere on those dam faces with the water falling, you're going to find some fish of all species in the reservoir. I want to quickly point out that I'm not talking much about trout and I'm not talking much about wipers and some of the other species in the lake. And the reason being is they're more pelagic in nature. They roam anyway. So yeah, you might catch wipers on a piece of hard structure somewhere because they ran up there to eat, but they spend their whole day swimming all the time. They don't ever sit still. And, uh, and that's the same thing with the trout in the lake. They, they might stay in an area but they're not sitting still, and they're perfectly happy to roam in open water. So uh, keep that in mind. So it doesn't change as much for things like wipers or trout as my strategies don't if, if the water's dropping a foot a day as it does when the water's dropping a foot a day and I'm looking for bass, walleyes, or um, you know, largemouth bass, either one, uh, and smallmouth. So that's a key thing. Another thing that I think can be really good when the water's falling is following ditches, particularly if you have big flats. Um, there's several places I fish that have big, big flats on reservoirs, big, like, you know, hundreds of yards across flats that are generally, you know, four or five feet deep all the way across the whole thing or 10 feet or however deep it is with no real structural difference. Typically, they have soft bottoms. A lot of times they have bushes, willow bushes, something like that growing on them. Uh, the ditches are the highways both in and out of there. So when the water's rising, uh, you can run the ditches. But same thing when the water's falling. And, it, and again, I keep saying it, but a lot of times the fish will suspend over the ditch 
not necessarily go any deeper and go down into the ditch. He's at the same depth he's been at on the flat, maybe in a willow bush that's now too shallow. So he just went straight across and he's now suspended over the ditch. So that's another scenario where you'll look like a goon. You're out in the middle of a wide open bay, but if you know where the ditches are, you can find them on your electronics uh, or Google Earth or whatever you got to do to find them. Then you can fish over the top of them and know that you're in the hunt. And there's a bunch of lakes that I fish that we will work that scenario um, by being really diligent with, with my map study and figuring out where those ditches are. And the beauty of reservoirs is that a lot of times they'll go down and you can look at them with your, with your eyes. Then in the spring, when they come back up, all that stuff's inundated. So it's very common for me, if I'm going to be anywhere near a reservoir I like to fish and I know it's very low, it's, it's common for me to go look at it on purpose. I might even take photographs of a couple of key pieces of structure with ditches being one of them because they're the hardest to keep track of in the boat, uh, particularly when they're a couple hundred, 300, 400 yards offshore. Uh, they can be harder to keep track of in the boat uh, when everything around them is flat. And yes, of course, I can find them with the with the Lawrence units and I can stay on them. But if I have a mental picture of what they look like or any sweet spots on those ditches, like a hard turn or some boulders along the edge of the ditch or something like that, that's going to help me out a whole bunch. And for me, having the mental, the actual photograph of it uh, helps me out a whole bunch. So, um, and that's 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 a key thing for me as well. So, ditches are are always wonderful to to be able to fish if you can. Um, I think the scenario of uh, falling water really hurts anglers more than anything else, confidence wise. And I see that a lot. And I think it's because the fish memories. You fish the same places or the same way you did when the water wasn't falling, uh, or in the cases of water falling fast enough you may have to move all the way around. Your structure may be completely out of the water or it may just flat be too shallow for fish to be happy on, something like that. Uh, that can be important to fish with an open mind when the water's falling. And that's a really important thing to keep in mind in a lot of scenarios, but especially when your water's dropping or dropping quickly as it, as it may, you know, you may seem. And a lot of you are going to hear this and think, well, water dropping, oh man, what, what? I was just in Minnesota last year and the lake was down 18 inches and they were in a complete panic. The, the fish, the, you couldn't even use some of the boat ramps. They were in complete panic that the water level was 18 inches from full. Well, I have literally fished my own lake when it's dropping almost two full feet a day, not 18 inches over a whole season. So you, you can't panic. The fish will, they're still there. They still got to eat. It's just a matter of where are they doing it. And 99% of the time for me, they just suspended and, and it's up to me to find them. Another thing that occurs when the water's falling quickly, more so than when it's rising, is the mudline scenario. Um, mudlines occur because the, the bank that is now exposed is still muddy then you get either wind or boat traffic that gets wave action on that bank and the water gets muddy. And the mud line is generally best when it first forms. Uh, a scenario on my home lake is a fantastic one. It can be, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, it's all calm, we're fishing, we're doing fine. Then, you know, the first wakeboard boats start showing up and start leaving one end of the lake. And in so doing, they roll the big wake up on that muddy bank. And when they do that, the mudline starts to form within minutes of them starting. And that mudline at first will just be narrow, maybe a foot or two wide. And all of the particulate matter that forms that mudline is on the surface. And you can very easily see it with your eyes. You can see that it's there. One of the things I'll do if, I, if the mudline's been established and I don't know how long it's been going is I'll run in there with the trolling motor 
and then hit the throttle on the trolling motor. And if, if the mud clears and there's clear water underneath it, I'm going to fish. If the mud doesn't clear, I may or may not fish. I may look at some other scenarios. But basically that means the mud line's been there long enough that the, that the mud's trying to settle back to the bottom. It got far enough from the bank and moved itself out into the lake because of the slosh effect and will now settle itself back down to the bottom. And by that time, most of the fish that are gonna feed in that mudline have already run in there and ate. And so when mudlines are brand new, walleyes and bass will pile into those things. And actually, so will trout and other things. Uh, they will run those right at the edge of the, of the mudline and feed like crazy first thing when that gets going. But once it's been going for a couple hours, let's say that mudline starts forming at 10 o'clock when the boats get there. Well, by noon, that mudline's done. It's a done deal. It's a timing thing on mudlines. But mudlines occur anytime you have falling water and either a little bit of wind or a little bit of boat traffic. Uh, that can be really, really good uh, to keep in mind. Another scenario to keep in mind is I'm a big advocate. If you're a fan of this podcast, we talk all the time about inlets, outlets, boat ramps, and dams, and bridges if they're available. I don't fish outlets when the water's falling because anyone that's ever poured minnows out of a minnow bucket knows they all swim to the other end. And I think when there's a big suction of water going out one end of the lake at the bottom of a dam, the fish are going to pull away from that. Now, having said that, whatever fish were there before that structure occurred are going to station and even a bunch of other fish on the first good structure that is affected by the current near it. So in other words, you get a big pull of water in the middle of the dam. Well, if there's a big point on one end or the other of the dam, a lot of fish are going to sit on that, sit around that point, sit, you know, suspended out off that point. So that can be one scenario where I don't fish outlets. However, if the water's dropping, I will still stay in the inlet until it's too shallow uh, in general. I have no problem going to inlet if the water's dropping because typically inlets have a channel, like we already talked about, or a ditch that'll run up in there and the fish will use that for their safety net. And so we will still fish the inlets, but we won't typically fish the outlet structures or anything like that when the water's falling. So Biggest thing is don't panic for starters. Keep in mind that a lot of your fish may be suspended, whether they're smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, or walleyes. They may suspend off the side of the point or the hump or whatever the case might be. Keeping in mind that most of the time when they suspend, they're not going to be any deeper than they were when they were on the hump in the first place. And if you have no knowledge of that hump, or you don't know that how deep they were, if you saw them on your graph on you know 10 feet down, well then at one point you might be able to catch them 10 feet down right off the side of it as well. So the uh, a hump that uh, gets too shallow, they'll stay that same 10 feet when they were previously on it and, and it was 10 feet at the top. Well, they'll just keep moving out. The top will get shallower and shallower, but the fish will still take 10 feet off the bottom, uh, which is the key part of that. So any rate, don't panic. Uh, keep fish with an open mind. Consider there are probably a lot of them suspended. For me, it's a hard bait game most of the time where instead of a bottom contact bait, uh, if you're a troller, that's a fantastic time to pick up your trolling and get after it. Even if you're a bass fisherman, you'd be amazed at how many fish you catch trolling um, when the conditions are right, which falling water being an ideal condition for it. So trolling is a good option for you there, and, uh, and keep the mud lines in mind. If you do all those things, it won't bother you. The water's going to fall all summer. Um, it, it bothers you more than the fish. So I appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully you'll check more information out on our YouTube channel. That's at Fishful Thinker. Uh, also, Facebook and Instagram at Fishful Thinker. If you want to book a guide trip with us, you, we'd love to have you do that. Uh, my, my guide, Jeff Colwell and Dan Swanson, both have a few days available. 
uh, and they can work you through falling water no problem because they've been guiding in it for years. So we appreciate you listening, and this has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.